In between recording and releasing this podcast, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II has died. All our thoughts are with the entirety of the royal family. Better words than mine will describe the commitment and service she gave not only to this country, but the world. So from everyone at the WRP, we will just say, thank you, Mum. Hello, hello, and welcome to a new series of the Women's Rugby Pod. I'm Johnny Hammond, and England captain Sarah Hunter is alongside MBE. How are you, Sunta? Have you summered well? I'm very well, thank you. Um, I think the majority of my summer has been spent in England camp, um, or, well, the last couple of months anyway, so, yeah. Just about hanging on to the tan. Look, it's hugely exciting time for the women's game. Um, here's what's coming up on the pod. We're going to talk about all the news that's happened, results and all the rest of it over the summer period. Uh, contracts and results and transgender policies and, and all the rest of it. We'll bring you, hopefully, up to date with everything that's been happening on the overall world. And, of course, we're going to talk to Sunta about the latest game against the USA, what's been happening in the England camp. And we've got some domestic news for you as well. So, bring you all up to date. So, Sunta, as I say, just about hang on to the tan there. Where have you been? Has it been at a summer at Rose Cottage, sat in the garden? No, um, I've just barely spent any time here, to be honest. What with had a little holiday to Mallorca for a week and then uh, then into pre-season. So we had uh, three weeks down in sunny Bath. So we're obviously outside most of the time. So that kept the tan propped up nicely. Then I went to France for five days to, to see my parents um, so again, managed to top up the town a little bit then, and then. Oh, we where went, in France? Where in France? Uh, the southwest of France. It's a tiny little village called Montségur. So. Sort of Biritz about, way, that, that kind of. Um, not quite. Right. It's about an hour east of Bordeaux. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, we were been down at Penny Hill since then, and since August. So again, nice sunny. Oh, where is it? Bagshot? Nice sunny Bagshot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, for pretty much outdoors all the time. We've had some delightful weather. I think we've done a bit of um, heat training, shall we say, with sort of 30 plus days, which uh, hopefully um, will have some benefit when we get out to, to New Zealand and it might be a little bit cooler there. Yeah, it will be a lot, a lot cooler. Yeah, there was some, yeah, some interesting posts on social media with the players getting very, very hot and what have you. But how? Because you've been in for nine thousand six hundred forty-eight days now uh, in <laughs> camp for pre-season. Um, I'm not going to ask you comment on whether it's too long or too short. But look, it, it's unique, isn't it, to to get together for this kind of time. Um, I think it, it, yeah, if it's, it's eight week, eight nine weeks, isn't it? Um, and the most you've ever had before is four weeks. How how do you keep it fresh? How the coaches kept it fresh? I understand sort of blocks each week and looking at different things. First of all, on the field, that's the question. But secondly, off the field as well, because yeah, you, you 
they say don't go away with uh, people for more than three days. It's like fish because they, they go off after three days. But eight weeks stuck together, um, that's quite something. Yeah, it certainly has been. I think um, I think that's probably why they sent us to Bath for three weeks. You know, it's a, a venue we went last pre-season and it was very focused around like games and sort of like core like strength and fitness and stuff like that. So you were in teams and so it was quite refreshing in terms of like very competitive edge. Uh, they We went to Thatcher's, um, so we made some cider um, and, you know, they've done like there was coffee like day we went into Clifton Coffee and did like learn about coffee, made coffee. So try to mix it up, like give us some days off so we can go and do whatever we want away from um, people. So I think that was kind of like, let's take a take us somewhere where we're not technically tactically doing rugby. So that when we got to Penny Hill, it was a new venue. It was something like different. Try to like. And like you say, each week was a different focus. So like defense, attack, so on field, trying to trying to make it a little bit different. And I think obviously the the build up um, each week got more more into rugby. So like the increase in contact, so that kind of made things a, a little bit different. You're in different teams. It's now fifteen v fifteen rather than small sided game. So I guess that keeps it quite fresh and. Um, just try away from pitch um like McKenna's um in charge of doing like little things so we we had a like times where I don't know we were in our teams and we we had to work out what different brands of coke were we just got given like different cokes diet cokes and like little silly things like that and chocolate like like so you had to do that and um yeah so just keeping it really we had a team building day where we got to like drive um go-karts around penny hill and things like that so um yeah just they've tried real hard to, to try and keep rugby on rugby and then when we're off rugby it's switched off and having your own time to to do to do things so it's not forced in any way like that so actually it keeps it quite fresh and we've other than the USA game, we've been in four days so you it's a short period of time you get to go home for three days so like um, like sort of chill out, get back in. So then when you come back in m- Monday, it feels like you've been away for quite a while. So you you're fresh and ready to to go again. So so yeah, it's um it's it's not been too bad. And then at the at the weekend we got to taste our cider that we've made. So that was quite interesting. And how was yours? Um. So we me and Amber redid ours, and we actually came third in the name like naming of your cider. Not Come the tech. We call it copyrighted already. It's copyrighted. Um, true Brewman. So like B R E W man. So yeah, said Brewance. Yeah. So yeah, we came we get, came third in that. Got a Thatcher's bucket hat. So that was uh, pretty exciting. Um, but we didn't win the taste. Um, unfortunately, and I thought like, how wrong can you go following a recipe? And I was expecting big things from our cider. And then me and Rido tasted it at the same time. And it was um, somewhat disappointing, shall we say. Right. So who who won the name and what was the name and who won the taste? You know what? I can't remember who won the name. I kind of switched off when... Um, when... <laughs> I haven't um, won. I'm not listening anymore. Yeah. 
But Poppy, Shauna, and Sophia Physio won um, the taste. No, they didn't. They came second. Or did they come first? I can't remember. I think they came first. So they won the, the taste the taste competition. And they didn't taste very nice either. Like, none of them tasted nice. Oh. Yeah. Well, but that will, perhaps we'll just edit that bit out in case Thatcher's are looking to... They were so, uh, they came in and explained like who had won and like the rankings and stuff. And I was like, so come on, tell us who the worst one was. Like whose was the like, the one that was undrinkable. They were like, oh no, they were all really nice. They were made with love and, you know, energy went into making them like, no, 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 honestly, you can tell us. <laughs> like, um, but they, they refused to, to let us know who came bottom of the pile. They only did the top three, unfortunately. Now, although they're now tipping that into sort of paint stripping bottles yeah. and use that around the Thatcher's farm. Thatcher's Gold is a lovely tipple. Uh, if you're listening, guys, uh, more than yeah. happy to have We've got to do um, some taste testing of loads of different ones. So, um, yeah, certainly very, we were very well looked after there. We got a tour of the, the like, how they make the cider and everything, how the, the production of it, we got to do some taste um, testing um, and then we got to make our own. So yeah, it was a, it was a great sort of um, evening spent there. Enough about um, that particular brand of ciders. And of course there's lots of others available mm -hmm. out there. Just as good. I'm sure. Um, Go-karting. I've, I've got to, please tell me that Scars didn't win go-karting. Uh, no, their team didn't. It was a complete fix, but I'm going to throw this out there because actually our team won both the races of and got ranked third. I was like, but we won both of the races. So I think the organisers were just making up as they, they went along. So, um, yeah. But I love that. The fact that you've, you've, you've pushed for a steward's inquiry and yet the, the England captain can't 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 shift the judges that's brilliant no so then they went to like um sort of a, a well they in the end they were like oh we'll just throw those results out and we'll go for like you know just neutral start again and they it was like a time like sort of sprint rather than a, a go-kart track and yeah we we didn't fare too well in that and then um emma singh pulled out the bag yeah there you go Wow, yeah. Emma Singh. Yeah. Um, but it's hilarious because I, I suspect, bar one or two, it'd be any player I could sit there and ask them about the go-karting in camp and they would all have a slightly annoyed look in their face if they hadn't won it. And that's just how competitive you guys are. It's extraordinary. Uh, it was, entire it, demeanour changed. <laughs> it was brutal at times. I think the, the, the medics were certainly looking away as people were like crashing into one another and like limbs were potentially being lost but you know we all we all survived and we all came through but it was yeah it was certainly a very competitive um competitive afternoon i've never seen penny hill look so different <laughs> the penny hill grand prix um but another thing i just want to pick up, back up on onto the, the bits you said is you mentioned sarah mckenna there i'm sure there's you know, um other people who are heavily involved in that sort of social side i know um Jamie George is very involved on the men's side for England and every team will have them. Um, but how much, we're talking about going to, to New Zealand uh, you know, for six weeks or whatever. Um, how important is a, is a player like that? Is it, is it almost worth the, the plane ticket itself? 
of course she's a fabulous player she would be there if she wasn't but is it how much importance is, is put on that kind of thing um I think from a team perspective a player perspective it, it's huge you know I think what McKenna does she gets a balance really well about reading the room about when actually we're going to do a whole thing together or she might like you know the the taste testing of um like these like unknown cokes and chocolates or whatever like we all or whether it's just like something that she'll put out say like in the autumn when balloon making for example just threw a few balloons on the table and then people can pick and choose whether they they do it and like so yeah it's um she she's she's really good at at knowing and different things so on um on I said captain's run day or no day off maybe last week um her and Fleeto decided to put on a a juice and stretch morning so McKenna went and bought this juicer and just like started making juice like juices for everyone like whacking ginger in carrots in all sorts of wonderful wacky things she was making but like that's the sort of thing that she she goes above and beyond for the squad so um I feel like it's always important to have someone like that within within your team who's going to bring something away from rugby that actually knowing like how to get people to to switch off um from from thinking about from thinking about the game so yeah she's she's brilliant at that yeah I know Simon Middleton, not for you, for you to say or comment on, but uh, no, yeah, big stall in in that, and that that name Sarah McKenna comes up a lot when talking about that off of the the, the field stuff. Um, so you've had a good good summer, big preseason, and then uh, no doubt knocking lumps out of each other will be the you know on the Penny Hill Grand Prix or on the training field out the back there. You want to get into a game, and Saturday comes around, USA. You were England's hydration technician for the day um, on the sidelines. I'm guessing, if I know you well enough, you don't like being still on the sidelines, do you? <laughs> I don't think anyone does, to be honest. But I think what's really important, um, like we all know that when you get to a World Cup, every player isn't going to play every minute of every game. And it, like it's the ultimate squad sort of performance. And I think... like we knew that like no one was going to play in like every minute of both these games. So like that had been prepped and we've spoken a lot as a team about the squad effort and actually what, what the role is for those players not playing. And, and yeah, well, you're frustrated not to be playing like that's that, that sort of frustration, disappointment. Like we had a chat with Mitch and, like as coaches, you're probably disappointed if a player just went, "All right, okay, that that's okay. I'll go and do this." Yeah, of course, like, yeah. If they want you to want to play as well, so I think that the the players that didn't get selected were, were great. Yes, they probably had their own personal frustrations, but that that never came across. Like they, like we all dealt with it, and then the next day, like it was like, right, well, what can we now do to help the team? Like, what is our role this week? It's not for us to get prepared to play. It's it's for us to help the team be best prepped they can be so that they can go out and perform. So if that's running in defence or they attack or that's like um, like getting things that they need for them and making sure that they're, they can just focus solely on preparing themselves for the game and making sure that they're in the best possible place. So, so yeah, it was um, 
it, like, but then, so then my immediate thing is, well, well, can I run water? Can I like do something on the day to try and uh, try and help them? So, so yeah, it's uh, it's just a different mindset to have, and I think we've got a really good group that generally like everyone's like, oh, I'm not playing, but like, how can I help to to make the team the best they can be? Yeah, and you, and you, and you see that in the warm up and, and what have you. Um... Honestly, South Africa, you've got nothing on us. Razzie Rasmus, stand aside. Got Sarah Hunter. <laughs> um, yeah, for for me, the selection, and I, and I think, ideally, you you want to be trying or, or sort of confirming some some combinations and 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 getting getting a little more more flow into it. England's problem is that you, you're trying to squeeze hundred people <laughs> into a very small plane, and there's so much talent. And when you when you see the likes of Claudia McDonald come back and, and, and play the, the way that she did and, and Kath O'Donnell being an absolute nuisance all game and Moana Tallinn throwing, her, uh, th- throwing herself around and, and these kind of players um, it's difficult isn't it because you want to give everyone a, f- a fair shot and I think you have to do that as a, as a, as a coach but so they, yeah the, the, the selection for me was sort of a mix between those two things and I guess the, the performance for me was could have laid that out to bear that people are trying to get on a World Cup plane but but also do the best for the team and it just it was just caught in between the, the two. How was it for you? Yeah, I think um like like Simon's spoken a lot about everyone having an opportunity over these two games and I think that that's what he's done. Like you say, there was people coming back from injury that haven't played for, for England in, in a long while that that needed an opportunity. They needed to see where they were at, um different combinations. So yeah, so we, we knew that it over these two games there was there was going to be some changes I think um everyone was was ready to play like we needed to play like we needed to see where we were with training like we'd done everything you get to a certain point of like right we just need to put it out there in a competitive match like when we play each other in 15 v 15 scenarios like we almost know what we're going to do we know how we're going to attack we know how we're going to defend so it's it's really difficult whereas obviously playing a different opposition gives you different challenges and i think um there were some elements of the game that that were were really good they were really like they, were, they clicked things gelled it was really sharp and then what? at the same time there you're was things... away with that i want specifics oh so i think like uh, you look at one of the tries scored was it the first half when we kind of went through like uh like uh sort of sort of game plan in terms of like punching off the line out went well a few phases bang bang and then we've got like walking on the edge basically because we've like like drawn them in and created that space preserved that space and we've been really accurate in what we've done yeah. whereas other times when we got into the USA half, like we had a couple of malls that, that didn't go like to how they have been, you know, like they, they got stopped or penalty. And then we weren't really clinical then on like our pick and go detail. And then we force an error. And then like that happened a few times. It was almost like we, we weren't clinical with the opportunities we, we had in, had in the, the USA, um, the USA 22. So, so, like unforced errors around like at penalties at times when were, were unnecessary they were like almost controlled or more controllable like not rolling away or like hands in the rug those sorts of things where that that's like 
for me a personal choice about whether you've you've rolled away quick enough or you've got on the back foot you're not giving away for offside or actually you're listening to the ref when she's saying hands out now that they're things that you can adapt to so I think um, those are the sorts of things that we like just need to tidy tidy up and um, just be yeah have a bit more clinicalness about us when hopefully we play Wales uh, in the next week yeah and those kind of details would you know we sorted out if you're a captain on the field you'd have talked to those individual stuff I mean terrible captaincy for <laughs> <laughs> I get you know I know where you go I know okay no look I joking aside I, I think you know it's important to, to give everyone that 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 chance um yeah I think we don't tend to throw too many individual bouquets but it, it was just wonderful to see Claudia McDonald back on the field after you know facing that uh, the fact that she would probably never play rugby again with her with her neck injury and uh, to come back and and boy did she mean that and and yeah to to see a player it means so much um she was exceptional and uh, yeah all plaudits to her she got player of the match we thought we could talk about her or just do just just get her on the pod um claudia mcdonald thank you so much for joining us on the wrp we've just been waxing lyrical about your performance at the weekend first of all how are you yeah really well thank you not not sore anymore which is nice the body's finally recovered um but yeah still so having really enjoyed playing a bit of rugby great stuff and that's that's ever-present smile is there which is lovely to see look Corey, saturday was incredibly special for you i i suspect just take us back and we'll we'll sort of go there and then we'll, we'll rewind back as as it were Running out in the white jersey, oh, red, weren't they? Uh, the red jersey um, with the red rose on your chest, and then singing, singing the national anthem. Just how special was it? Take that back to those those emotions. Yeah, it was incredibly special. I think um, I, I said it before. I think the special nurse, I guess, sort of started the night before at shirt presentation. Um, when I got given my shirt, I didn't think it would be that emotional, and then all of a sudden, I was like. I was sort of welling up and I was like, oh my goodness, stop stop looking at people. I was trying to like look into the corner to stop myself crying. I was like, this is ridiculous. Why am I crying? <laughs> um, but obviously it just means, it means a lot. Um, it's just such a relief to get back out there. And it was the first time we had um, a much wider squad in the in, in camp. So the tunnel was, you know, come out the tunnel and then we were lined with everybody that was, wasn't playing that day. Um, and that was just like, the, the, it was just amazing. They were just cheering and like getting so excited and whatever. So we ran out to that. And then obviously the crowd there was just immense. There were so many people watching. Um, so yeah, it was it was pretty emotional. It was, it was just really nice. Like I was just so happy. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's easy to, to get swept up with those emotions and certainly not on this podcast. You need to apologise for sharing your emotions. Um, I'm, I, yeah often in tears on the pot. In fact, talking about you uh, with Sunter earlier, um, yeah, I just got a little bit emotional. I'm so, so pleased for you that you're, you're back out there. Look, if, if people have been under a rugby rock for the last 10, 12 months, why, just why was Saturday quite so special? 10 months out of the game uh, and you were told basically that you probably wouldn't play again. Just give us some details through that. Yeah, so I played the Autumn Internationals um, and in a training session prior to the prior to the first game, actually, I picked up a, a neck injury that we kind of assumed was a bit soft tissue. And then as time went on, um, we realised it was actually a little bit worse than we initially thought. Um, and I had 
um, a bulging disc at one level that was um, compressing my spinal cord. Um, and then I had two discs above that that were bulging and weren't that happy as well. Um, so yeah, so that took a little while. Well, it meant that I couldn't play rugby straight away. As soon as we saw that MMI scan, I couldn't play rugby. Um, we were then going down what, what was the route forward? What could we go do? Um, got offered a few surgical options, um, which I ended up turning down because um, it, it seemed a little bit like I'd have one surgery, probably would then need a second because it wasn't just at one level that there was damage. It was this, the one above was quite bad as well. And that was causing nerve issues. Um, so then it was it was sort of like, okay, well, I'm not sure I wanna have one surgery to then have a second surgery and we're not sure in how long time. So, and that would mean I couldn't play rugby at all. So the third option or the second or whatever, whatever other option was to wait. And the issue with that was that potentially I would never play rugby again because the body might not repair the neck, um, might not repair the discs that have sort of protruded out. So that was the decision that I came to not to have surgery and then to, wait they thought it would take a year to a year and a half if it did repair itself and that was very much an if um but so really 10 months has worked out has been incredibly short but there was that huge middle ground we just didn't really know and initially we thought it was going to be three weeks then it was six weeks then it was three months and then it was actually at six months that i got some news that i'd sort of forgotten about really i wasn't expecting at all that's amazing and what on earth did you do you were to thailand yeah. Right? yeah what did you do in thailand did you meet the best script writer in the world no can't play rugby ever again oh actually but um you can play again um back in contention with world cup uh new club rugby world cup in on the horizon all happily fix itself what what on earth do you do in thailand to make this all happen now what's annoying is i went and visited my eldest brother and he'd already claimed that he taught me everything i know about rugby now he sits there and goes, he also fixed my neck and got me back to rugby. <laughs> <laughs> there you are then. Yeah, brilliant. Told you it was something. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I spent that month, I spent like a couple of days in Prague visiting a friend, a couple, of, we spent a week in Ireland or so, and then we went to, I went to Thailand to visit my brother, basically spent the whole Six Nations abroad, <laughs> came back and then was told I play rugby and I thought, oh, I am not in a shape to play rugby anymore. <laughs> No, I kept fit, but I wasn't rugby fit by any means. And so how did that conversation go, presumably? Uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, I'm guessing the England medical staff were all across you know, what, what's, what your progress is and, and, and what have you. Uh, and Mitt is, is there. And that conversation, actually, do you know what? It's, we're okay. Um, can I come back, please, sir? <laughs> um, a little bit like that, yeah. The um, it, was, it went through medical staff very much, though, so... They spoke to coaches I and mean, then I didn't really hear what coaches thought about it yet because we needed to sort of answer some questions around, did it mean I could actually play rugby again? Like, what did that look like? How long was it? Um, I was still very much, I felt like I was chasing the clock. It still feels like I'm chasing the clock um, because obviously I found out at the end of Six Nations. So the league was over more or less. I wasn't going to play any more rugby in the league. Six Nations was over. So in terms of matches, prepare yourself and put your hand up for selection. They, all of those opportunities were gone. Um, my fitness and sort of time on a pitch was obviously minimal. I think I played five games for club this year, uh, last season. Um, <laughs> so, yes, it was very much like, is it feasible? Can I get back? Do the surgeons think that it, there's, any, there's any sort of risk factors to me playing rugby again? Once all those answers were 
yeah, it's all fine. It was then speaking to mids and going, do you want me? Like, <laughs> if I can get back, do you want me? Um, and he was really supportive, which was brilliant and was very much like, yeah, if you can get back and you can do the pre-season camps, then yeah, it's all up to you to put your name up for selection. And then that comes down to to Saturday. I, I, how 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 joyous was that first time back in back in camp? Um, stressful, but yes. <laughs> Why stressful? Um, well, we were going into pre-season, and I know everybody had had time off. Um, as everybody had had like four weeks off for the off season or so, but I felt like I'd had like well, I had had like six seven months. And I'd been training at WASP, but I was so nervous about just making a fool of myself, but <laughs> not being fit enough, not being up to scratch, you know, making stupid mistakes, forgetting stuff. Even though I'd done a, we weren't even playing moves or anything, but I was still nervous that I'd forgotten them, even though I'd gone through them all. I was like, oh God, I'm just going to be rubbish. But no, it was good. I was excited to be there and it was, yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, ever the professional, you answer it on a, on a sort of playing basis. What, what I meant was... Oh. From the girls and the rest of the squad. No, no it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it was great to be back with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and all the old games and all the rest of it and, and all the rest of it. I, I'm guessing you are, you're welcome with, with open arms. Yeah, everyone was really supportive, which was really nice. Um, I think I think I went into a... People didn't realise that I could play contact again for a little while. I think they were... I went into like a pre, pre-camp and like it was just touch anyway. And then they were like, oh, God, you can actually play contact. I was like, yeah, I think so, like in time. And everyone was really excited. So it was nice. Yeah, it was really cool. Brilliant. So that takes us to uh, Saturday, but back to that. Um, We've spoken a couple of minutes now, and and it's fairly obvious as to where that performance came from. Um, And it was a a stellar performance, player of the match. Some really nice words from... Dolly Waterman on the comms and, and, and rightly so. A couple of tries. One of them was a, a worldie. Um, but sometimes those emotions can work against you. And I'm guessing, as you, you said at the beginning, emotions were, were running high um, the day before on a, on a Saturday. Just how did you manage to just convert those emotions and everything that's gone on, um, plus whacking your hand straight up in the air for a, a plane ticket to New Zealand in, into that kind of performance in a position you don't often play? Um, oh, I don't know. I think um, I actually was very surprised when I got playing the match anyway. I don't think I necessarily deserved it. <laughs> I was on the end of a couple of nice passes, um, but I was very grateful for it. Stay humble. Uh, Stay humble. <laughs> um but, I mean, she was in ta- the tackles that, like, Sardia and Tap were putting in and the carries from some of the forwards. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Immense. Um, but, no, I I don't really know. I guess once you're on the rugby pitch, it's really difficult. You, you just think about playing rugby. Um, so, a lot of it sort of goes away. I did have one moment on the pitch um, where I reminded myself to enjoy it. So I was getting a little bit... Um, frustrated and I actually spoke that out loud to myself and was just like just enjoy it God you don't know when it's going to end like and I, it was just like a little reminder and I was like okay all right we can do this that's fine um and yeah and I, oh I think it was either when I was tired or I was frustrated. I didn't think I was frustrated so it must have just been when I was I don't know I don't know when it was but I can remember having that moment and saying it to myself um but yeah I don't know you, you just play rugby don't you and I think when you relax then you play better rugby or you 
at least tried it. I, mean, I certainly made loads of mistakes, but thankfully people, Nolly didn't point all of those out on the comms. So. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I, I, I was, I was in the, the, the West stand and uh, your sister was a, a couple of rows down. And um, I mean, it was fairly obvious um, to hear just um, how pleased she was with your performance. Uh, she's got a vocal, your sister, isn't she? I loved it. Uh, very passionate yeah no no it it was it was genuinely really lovely to see you back out on the field um and it did look like you you enjoyed it obviously that muscle memory just kicked in and and you're back out on the field and but was there not even a a slight moment you're going to probably say well we've done it all in training johnny so okay but a test match is different did you have any worries about the neck at all did it did it cross your mind in the slightest um did it there was one tackle, I think, where I got myself a little bit squished. Um, and I had like a moment of, am I okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Back up I get. But um, so far, I haven't really thought about it so much at all. I think my first training session back, where we did full contact, the physios came straight up to me, uh, straight afterwards, and were like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. What, what's wrong? Uh, they were like, it was your neck okay? I was like, yeah, it's fine. Why? Why? What have I done? And they're like, well, you just survived your first training session. I was like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about it. Like, <laughs> it was this really weird exchange they were expecting me to think about it. I was like oh, I completely forgotten yeah I'm absolutely fine yeah cool that was good enjoyed it <laughs> um but no I guess because it's been so gradual and it's been building over such a long time and we sort of have internal games in camp anyway where we you know play against each other and have to tackle each other lots that you it was a first game back but it wasn't like a first it was obviously but it, it wasn't at the same time like it, I felt ready for it yeah, great stuff. What did you make of um, the 14 uh, roses uh, around you, uh, the team performance? Yeah, excellent. Um, I think I think it was difficult. You know, it was the first game back after a long little while. Um, so we're going to have made mistakes as a team. I think we make mistakes. Um, but this is the time to make them. So we're going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit, do a bit of analysis and make sure we learn from them and, and keep building around what, how we want to play. Um, and where opportunities are or potentially where we could have been exploited. Um, luckily weren't, but I think we could have been. Um, but no, I think it was really good. I think everybody played really well for a, like a first game back as well. And like, um, yeah, it was really cool. And we had some young people playing as well, like Sadia obviously starting, which is so ex- I was so excited for her. Um, but yeah, and I thought she just, I think she made something like 30 tackles or something in that game. Like absolutely nailing people. <laughs> yeah, it was something like twenty-eight individual tackles I heard, and then yeah. like second, uh, six secondary tackles. Um, just, just extraordinary. I, mean, I, I did tweet during the game. She's booking her place. Um, you know, on her, her ticket to, to New Zealand. I thought her performance was outstanding. Um, yeah, yeah and then, I, some good moments when they had some, yeah, as you say, so a, bit, a bit of rustiness, a bit of oh, comes as a World Cup selection coming up kind of performances. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really difficult because. Uh, there's pressure on everybody as individuals as well because as much as we are one squad there's still a few people that are currently in the squad that aren't going to go I could very much easily be one of those um and so you do feel like you you do feel the pressure of that absolutely in terms of wanting to put out an individual performance as much as a team performance um but no, hopefully that wasn't too apparent. <laughs> we've got, we've also got some people that have come back. Obviously, like Tatiana Heard hasn't played since 2019, so that was incredible. I think um, 
perhaps a few tears. I kept looking at her before, like before the game. We were next to each other because eleven and twelve, and it was just like, all right, come on, let's enjoy this. Like, let's have fun out there. Um, just like little reminders to each other, which was cool. Um, and the Moz Moena Talling was back after yep. her ACL and Kath. Kath as well. There was four of us I think that had been back after a while. I barely had any time out compared to the other girls, but. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the boss is significantly uh, more more serious. How much is it helping your cause? Do you think, Claudia? And we'll, we'll start to to wrap it up. But um, that you can play on the wing, um, as as well as the, obviously your more recognised position of uh, of scrum half, and you can put a performance out like you you, you did at the weekend, uh, in a, as I say, in a in a sort of slightly more unrecognised. Place. How much is that helping your cause? Do you think? Do you think diversity, in terms of, you know, of flexibility, versatility, is going to going to help selection? Um, I don't know. I mean, you hope so, don't you? I, I certainly hope so. Uh, that or it makes me jack of all trades, master of none. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, like that, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it can be. It, sometimes it can be a bit stressful because you're splitting your time between the two positions, um, and. The, for somebody anyway that seems to be chasing the clock, trying to get as much sort of time training and everything else in a short period of time to show that I can play again, I guess, um, can be difficult to split between two. But yeah, I don't know. I, I hope so. But I guess everybody's sitting there hoping that whatever they're doing, whatever they're, ex- you know, whatever it is that they can provide that's extra to their competition is good enough. I mean, you'd go as half-time orange cutter if uh, if that was available to to get a place in New Zealand. I'm, I'm sure every, everybody would, wouldn't they? Um, do, 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 do girls talk about it in in, in camp? Do you talk about you know always how many how many front rows you're going to take, how many second rows that are oh how many scrum halves you think he's going to take? Is are those conversations happen at all? Um, I think a few people. Yeah, I think a few people have probably written down what's what they think is going um probably as much as seeing how how you have yeah Yeah, exactly it's tempting isn't it um or trying to work out numbers whether what the split will be um in terms of backs and forwards and within that front row and whatever because they take up a few spaces too Um, nine of them yeah yeah, <laughs> seeing how many spaces are left for the rest of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you want to start um, throwing the ball in the line out, Claudia? You like? <laughs> yeah, right. I've got to add to my repertoire. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think everybody certainly had a little play with it. I think as much to work out who their competition is as I don't know. Also, maybe to see how correct they get it when the squad does come out. Um, but yeah, I, I is it spoken about a little bit. People do I think people try not to talk about selection so much and focus just on the what's happening this week and leave that up to the coaches. Control the controllables. Come on. Oh, all that boring stuff. Yeah, yeah. Get that media <laughs> media chat out. No, we're anti media chat here on the pod. Just finally, Corey, I I genuinely um so delighted to to see you back out there. Um you you bring a great energy on and off the field. Um incredibly personable. And I just, you got a World Cup, which you're putting your hand up for. You say you're against the clock, but you know, I think that versatility is going to help you. You move clubs, obviously, down to, to Exeter with Cleaner. Um, from where you were six months ago, can you quite believe where you are now? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I didn't ever anticipate this happening. I thought I'd be working an office job in London, um, to be quite honest. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I had it all lined up. 
I had the job. Um, I'd accepted the job and everything. Um, I was going to go work as a like a sustainability consultant at PwC. <laughs> wow. Here I am playing rugby. I had to then go in. I went into the office to meet with um, one of the partners before I'd even started to be like, uh, so how do you feel about me not starting <laughs> in, a, in like a week's time? Um, and he was it, actually, he was incredibly happy that I was back playing rugby um, and was like, yeah, this can wait. So it's on the back burner for a little while, which has been, it's amazing to have it. Um, but yeah, no, ne- absolutely not. Did not anticipate, even, no, did not anticipate this. <laughs> Just, as I say, a- absolutely delighted for you. So you were um, back into camp later this week for, in preparation for for Wales and then um, when's selection is 20th of September, isn't it? Away 23rd, I think. Um, something like that, yeah. I think we find out sometime after the Bristol game. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, look, all the best for okay. selection for the for the Bristol game. Um, as I say, yeah, all of us here absolutely delighted to see you back on the park and a, and a, and a, some way to to mark your return as well. But uh, thanks for your time this morning and all the best for uh, selection for Wales and beyond. Thanks very much. Thank you. Lovely chatting to you. I'm Rita Gallagher, and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pod. The other person I wanted to just pick out, um, and I wonder whether this is influencing in training, what have you, was, was Zoe Harrison. Uh, her touch at the weekend and everything she did, whether it be from, from hand or boot or, or both uh, of mind, uh, was as good as I've seen it from her f- possibly ever in her career. Um, I thought she's, she's outstanding in terms of that, that feel of the game. Is she just growing and growing as the weeks go on? Because that's yeah, how it seems from, from the outside looking on her, her playing in the field. Yeah, I think we, we saw her in the Six Nations like almost come of age a little bit in terms of where where she was within a game. And I think obviously there's she she picked up an injury after that, so then she has a little bit of time, but coming back into preseason, like she's just started to own things, like she's a part of our, our leadership group and she just has so much confidence about what she wants, how she wants it doing. And and that's what you want your tens to do. You want them to to run run the show. And she's definitely starting to or she has done, but more so, like she she owns this, she's very like clear and assertive with what she wants, and that that's what you want your your fly halves to do. And I think she's just been on this curve that is steadily going up and up and up. And obviously for us that that's great and and like like you say, I think I think she'll she'll continue on that. I think players like that like get better and better with more games they have and more game time they have. And obviously she's trained really well and coming into that, it's nice to see what she's been doing in training come across onto the training pitch. So yeah, hopefully obviously she'll she'll go on as the as the World Cup games come come thick and fast for, for her as well. So yeah, she's She's um, just kicked on from the Six Nations, where she was exceptional then as well. Yeah, and I, and I, and I love seeing that those little bits about players, and even just the way she holds herself and her gait, just walking around the place from two years ago to now. I just, yeah, I'd be very. I'd love to see two VTs of her her walking from a couple of years ago, because yeah, like, just that that confidence the way she holds herself is is very very evident. Um, and I'm no psychologist, but. You know, that kind of side of the game certainly fascinates me. 
What fascinated me was um, yeah, USA have had plenty of rugby over the summer. They're battle hard. We know a lot of the extra players in their hugely physical side, one of you know, certainly top three, four sides in terms of physicality in the in the in the world. I thought they were a little bit mentally shaken. Rabbit and headlights first ten minutes. You score a couple of tries. After that, I thought you know there's some massive improvements there. And Rob Kane. Uh, it's brought in Martin Haag, two both very, very good human beings, and I think that uh, yeah, helps massively. But um, what did you make of USA? Yeah, I think um, very much improved from the last time we played them as well. And I think um, I think you can see where they've both technically, tactically and technically got better. Um, and you can see the things that I think, like especially in their forward pack around what Martin Hag, I'm presuming, has come in and done around their more, but their more defence, um, especially and just in terms of they having a platform to play off. They they didn't really have that that much when we played them in the autumn. So that's a massive thing. Like you look at the the, the players that they have that like you look at so Kelters and like you need to give her something to play from and. I think they've started to like make real good inroads with within that, and I think, um, like, like you say, I, I almost feared a little bit at the beginning of like what what was what was going to be, but they certainly uh, they caused us to be under pressure. Like they caused us to to force errors to make the mistakes that that we did do. So that that shows that in terms of wh- where they come, it's easy for a team when you've had two quick scores given against you. You've got two options, really. You'll be like, all right, we're going to do something about this and come out fighting and try and get back into the game and play our game. Or it's going to be a pretty tough day for for teams. And I think they certainly did did the latter. And if I was Rob Kane, I'd be looking and being like, like happy with some of the some of the elements of that what they just need to do is make that more consistent yeah i yeah i could agree more and i think you know what he you know rob has to to deal with behind him in terms of support one of it it's it's worlds away from from where the red roses are um and yeah use the likes of detivo when they did use the second half she looks dangerous when they pull kelter back in at 12 second half i mean that run was outstanding and you know, probably one of the only players in the world who makes a run like that. She, she she's brilliant, and I, yeah, just just polishing. For me, the transference from forwards to backs just wasn't quick enough, um, and that that speed of ball just wasn't there for for Gabby Cantona to to deal with. Just have that half extra second. But um, you say they put you under pressure. You're down to thirteen at one point. Were you were you pleased with the rear guard action at that point? Let's not go into the yellows. I think that's you know. Uh, yeah, no, I think like. You, I think for us, it's like as, as much as you never want to go down to, to to thirteen players. I think actually you can practice all these scenarios and training and things, but until like, it's just, until you get it in a game. But I think in terms of like some of the decisions around what they they did and how they managed the game at that point, especially with all all the changes, I think um, it, it will stand as in really good stead. Um, to have had that experience as much as you don't want it, um, yeah. So I think I think it was managed as probably as best it could be in that in yeah in that time. Look, we could uh, go on and on and on. Time is precious. I know it's a day off and a, a few days off before you get back into camp later in the, in the week. Uh, the end of the game of the weekend uh, was France Italy twenty one nil two to France. Um, overshadowed a little bit and, and marred by 
looks like a pretty serious knee injury from Manuela Forlan. Uh, she's been a, a totem pole for, for Italy for many, many years. Um, interesting, France scored very early. Um, so a little bit like you're going, then sort of Italy come back. The teams do do battle again this weekend in uh, Biella in Italy. Um, France seem to put the foot in the gas when they want to. And when they feel the game's won, it's not the first time we've said this about them of late in the last couple of seasons. Uh, they, they allow sides to come back, uh, although not in this case on the scoreboard. Yeah, I mean, it'll be, it'll be interesting. You, you don't know what... I mean, I haven't seen it, so you don't know whether they um, they made changes. You don't know whether they're trying different things. You don't know, like, in terms of like French being French, like you say, they, they know they've won that game at that point. Um, and how much do they want to show at this stage in a, in a World Cup prep as well? So there's, I think there's a lot of things to be taken into account in World, World Cup games, but um, they seem to have gone off the radar a little bit in terms of, like, you don't, hear much from them or what they're doing at this moment in time with their with their preparation so um it'll be interesting to see how they travel to to Italy and then also what what side they they put out um and whether they give some of the others um opportunities they obviously had a couple of new caps in there um as well so so yeah it's um it'll be interesting to see how prep goes, but I, I, it's probably a bit like I think you can read a lot into warm up games, um, but actually, what matters is when you get out to the World Cup and how everyone plays. Then, yeah, possibly selection that kind of stuff uh, is the the key focus in the in these games. Um, enough chitter chatter, pitter patter. Let's get our listeners all up to date with. Uh, all the news from around the overworld that's happened in the last couple of months since we've been on our summer hollybops. The Pacific Four Series is played out back in June. The Black Ferns beat Australia 23-10, Canada 28-0 and USA 50 points to 6. Canada beat their North American cousins 36 points to 5 and Australia 22-10. Australia ended the series winless with a 16-14 loss to the USA. In July, Samoa, Papua New Guinea, Fiji and Tonga all took part in a competition played in New Zealand where Samoa beat Papua New Guinea 91-0. Fiji beat Tonga 34-0. Tonga then beat Papua New Guinea 108-7. Fiji managed a close win against Samoa 31-24. And then we saw South Africa went over to Japan, where they won 15-6. And Canada hosted Italy, where they won 34-24. They did indeed. August saw South Africa back at home uh, in a two-test series against Spain. The host won both of those games, 44 points to 5, 37 points to 14. Ireland went off to Japan. Won their first game, 57-22. And they had a huge turnaround as Japan came back to win the second test, 29-10. Australia and New Zealand did battle as well for the O'Reilly Cup, which the Black have never lost. Uh, probably, Possibly not unsurprisingly. 52-5 in the game one and a much stronger performance from the Wallaroos in the second game. 14-22 was the Black Ferns victory. And of course, the USA. We've spoken about them. 
coming over and playing the Red Roses last weekend. But they uh, were up at Scotland before that, winning 21-17. And then, of course, that 52-14 loss at Sandy Park. Wales were in Canada as well for a single test match. They ended up losing 31 points to three at the Wanderers' ground. And Wales, of course, face England on Wednesday the 14th of September at Ashton Gate, Bristol. Australia were named Commonwealth Sevens champions in Birmingham in the UK. It capped a dominant season for them, beating Fiji 22-12 to the title, where New Zealand finished third with Canada fourth. Well, that's a whistle-stop tour around the rugby world. Hopefully we've got all the bits and pieces in there. Um, this weekend, it's the Sevens World Cup. Sarah Hunter, as a, well, an undefeated Sevens coach <laughs> in your career, uh, you'd be perfect to, uh, to talk us through this. But no, it's uh, all on at Cape Town at the weekend, isn't it? Um, great colour and noise for the Sevens. It's all going to be live on the World Rugby website. The format is a round of 16. The losers are then going to a challenge. One side of the draw, the winners go to the championship. And the 16 teams are Australia, Madagascar. It's growing, isn't it, this game? USA, Poland. Great to see them through. Uh, Berth's delighted. Uh, Canada, China, Fiji, Japan, Ireland, Brazil, England, Spain, New Zealand, Colombia, France and South Africa. All kicks off on Friday this Friday at 11.11 UK time. Uh, it's great noise and colour, but it's, uh, you know, I was just talking before we came on air, it just, it just needs to capture the imagination and just draw the rugby public's eye a little bit more. Would you agree with that, Sunta? Yeah, I was just saying, like, I think, um, not for the players themselves, but, like, for that the fans it's almost gone like a little bit under the radar which is such a shame because it's like it's a world cup it's such a major tournament like the athletes are players so they've qualified they've been preparing and like going out to, to a world cup is like something really special that it warrants like the the same back from it from so the organization of like being out there in the the public eye for for people to 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 know about it needs to be like almost like put into a limelight that I just feel like this it, it isn't at the minute. I agree with you, and it's um, there's no sort of host broadcaster, and I, certainly we talk selfishly done about the UK here, and Sky used to sort of just whack it on the channel, and and, and away you go, you dip in and out as you as you wanted, but um, yeah, sort of streaming doesn't make it wonderfully easy, but um, yeah. There is talks about sorting the format out and that kind of stuff, but it's quite an exciting format, this this World Cup. So that's all the international news. How about some of the news from the UK over the last eight weeks or so? So back in early August, Ireland um, announced 43 centralised pace contracts for elite women's rugby for next season, including the contracts and operation for the Sevens programme. Worth noting the timeline, 13th of December in 2021, 62 players write to the Irish government. The 4th of August, 2022, 43 pro contracts. It was also announced that Gillian McDarby has been appointed Head of Women's Performance and Pathways. Yeah, it's very significant that timeline, isn't it? Um, the power of the people is not is not lost. Well done, Ireland. Finally at the table. Uh, 
Back in July, the RFU announced a ambitious 10-year strategy to professionalise and redevelop the Premier 15s. In a new strategy document, they outlined plans for it to become the first fully professional women's rugby league across all aspects of the game from the start of the 23-24 season with a priority placed on player welfare and investment in training facilities. A long-term commercial model was also laid out to become financially sustainable with a growth plan focused on acquiring new audiences through live and digital products. The governing body says the overall cost of the revamped league will be around £222 million over a 10-year period with the projected revenues of £174 million. The RFU says it will make up the remaining £48 million shortfall required the Premier 15s to achieve its strategic overhaul. Those funds will go towards expanding the league's broadcast reach. Absolutely vital. We talk about that a lot on this podcast. Increasing player salaries... Big smile from Sarah Hunter and, uh, and coaches, and coaches, player coaches, uh, and enhancing the player environment, recruiting new staff, as well as improving the match day experience for fans and players. Yet again, the RFU leading the way, putting these plans out of there, putting the figures out there, and we can criticise bits and pieces of, of what the RFU do in, in my line of work, but in terms of driving the women's game, uh, it's hats off and a huge applause. Um, another kind of landmark announcement. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to comment on it, Sarah Hunter, because that would be unfair. The RFU and not long after, the IRFU announced updates to their gender participation policies, both acknowledging it's a very sensitive subject. Um, and in short, the change is only to permit players in the female category if the sex originally recorded at birth is female. The RFU in the last few days have been hit by legal action over the change. The governing body say they will robustly defend their case against transgender uh, player Julie Curtis, issuing them with a pre-action protocol letter. Finally, Quinns have a new head coach in Amy Turner, the former England international scrum half and hooker. She's been the England head coach for under-20s and in the senior side as well. Wasps also have a new head coach in LJ Lewis, replacing Giselle Mather. LJ is now in her fourth season at the club and will continue her work with the England under-20 as the women's assistant coach. And of course, we will get you up to date with all the player movements. And there's been quite a lot, hasn't there? Um, Talking about Wasps there, quite a significant movement away from from Wasps for various reasons. Uh, But we're going to get you up to date with all of that news ahead of the Premier 15 season starting after the World Cup. I'm Lynn Cantwell and you're listening to the Women's Rugby Pass. A lot of news there, Sunter. Um, and I think looking back at news, it's probably not worth dis- discussing a huge amount of, of, of those those items. One thing I, I did want to speak to you about was was Fiji. You know, they had a good, good summer. They're good in Commonwealth Sevens, and those players are going to flip-flop, aren't they? Uh, they're pretty good in those those games against the other Pacific Island nations. Um, they are going to be a handful, just for the fact that the unknown quantity of them at the 15s World Cup. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, we've never played them as a 15s nation. There's, there's a lot of unknown about them. Um, there's a lot of known about their, their 15 side. Obviously, their, their seven side's probably a lot more well known and it'll be really interesting like you say to, to see how many of them go across after this sevens world cup to to join up with their 15s program and 
and see maybe what that does to to their team. Um, I think there's there's just things you probably are expecting, like physical, direct, offloading game, unpredictability. Um, I think we'll we'll get all of those sorts of things. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a real test for us in terms of how we want to we want to play our game and how I don't know is the the classic case of having to adapt for the team that you you play. Like we play so many teams that we know exactly how they're going to do what they want to do where they want to do it. That this will be a really good test for us to just to see where we are at like the game we want to play and how we might have to change that as as the game goes on um so yeah it's um it, it's a good challenge it's it's nice and refreshing to play a team that you don't get to play too often as well last piece before we go Sunter. i mean she's got to be careful this lady because if she does any more good um, she's going to sort of be known as a sort of Irish witch with her with with a wand i mean what lynn cantwell is doing down in south africa it it's nothing short of magical. I mean, she's changed the entire vibe. She's got the men sitting with the women in a team photograph. I've I've never seen that before. Have you ever seen that before? Never. No, never. The whole. I mean, it's been a, a nation very against women playing rugby. Um, yeah, two thousand and ten. I remember talking to the guys, and it just just women weren't allowed to play to play rugby not any laws but just within their villages and, and families and what have you she has totally changed the landscape in what you know is a huge rugby nation she's just nothing short of miraculous oh but you see um i've seen so their 20s have been playing this summer as well they're in the 20s like 20s test like, matches sevens yeah like it just looks like the the nation's behind behind the game and i'm, I'm sure she's had to push and challenge um but like I think we said when she came on, if, if anyone's gonna do and be successful uh down there, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be Lynn. And like you, you we obviously played a training game against them last autumn and um it it was great and you could see the things that she was trying to start to implement and it's almost like, okay, you know, um please please don't be too good come come October, you know, you can go on to bigger and better things after after we've played you in the World Cup. But yeah, I, I do really hope that they go on. And like, you look at some of the results that they've had, you know, against Spain. Spain are a well-tested nation, you know, and they've gone to Japan and yeah, they look to be putting things certainly in place. So I, that, that'll be another real tough um, challenge for us. They're very physical as well. So you look at our pool, you've got a Fiji, a France and a South Africa. There's no game you look and be like, oh, you know, this is a game you're going to, you can sort of take it easy with because they're like, yeah, it'll be uh, three probably very brutal encounters, no doubt. Yeah, they will indeed. Um, I should be commentating on that game against South Africa. Um, actually, which just slips seamlessly like a ski sock into uh, the fact that ITV Obviously, show the game that we can. We'll be showing the Wales game uh, and doing all of the World Cup back here in the UK, which is great news that it's on terrestrial television. Let's finish up then, Sunta, with some shout-outs. Big one to your counterpart down in New Zealand, Kendra Coxage. She has announced that she will retire at the end of the World Cup. The double World Cup winner and the most cap or black fern, I should say, of all time. Uh, we want to add a third trophy to retire with and have the same scriptwriter as Richie McCall. 
big smile on Santa's face. Yeah, she's she's been amazing for the game, not just for New Zealand, but as a whole. I think um, she's been an amazing servant to the game, like worldwide. And what she's done in in New Zealand has been pretty pretty incredible, um, to say the least. So uh, obviously, you want her to to go and do well, but um, if she doesn't finish with that third trophy, it it, it wouldn't be too bad from our perspective because we might be with a chance then of of, of winning it. Yeah, and it, she should probably nice have a nice set, shouldn't she? She'll have a silver. Yeah. Yeah, she should have a nice yeah, set. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, no, but in all, what whatever happens, like, I, I do hope she goes and has, like, finishing on a, a home World Cup, like, just must be the absolute ultimate. So, yeah, I just hope she she has a, a great time finishing, regardless of what that ends up with results-wise, if she can go out and enjoy that and and know that's the, the last thing she'll be doing, then, yeah, hopefully she'll have she'll have had a, an amazing career and it'll be the perfect way to, for her to, to hang up her boots. And then um, shout-out to Martin Thomas and his new book, World in Their Hands, the story of the first Women's Rugby World Cup, is out on the 29th of September and a bit like buses, there's none. And then two come along with um, Ali Donnelly's Scrum Queen's book. Um, so, yeah, it's brilliant to have two books out. I've actually read this book. And I he, like, kindly asked me to write the foreword for it as well. So it's yeah, I can highly recommend going out and, and getting it. I felt a little bit embarrassed when I read it that I didn't know... Um, yeah, about a lot of the th- I knew I knew the premise of a group of women and Deb Squithin and Sue Dorrington and players like that setting up the World Cup, but I didn't know the in depth about it. I didn't know about the sort of the the history behind like the build up to to a World Cup and European Championships and Rugby World Festivals and um, the history about. The, the game, not just the women's game, there's stuff about the men's game in there. So yeah, it's um it's a it's a great book for for people to to read up and appreciate the history of where the games come from and and why we're hopefully lucky enough to to go down to a World Cup in a, a few weeks time and, and play in I think it's the ninth World Cup. So yeah. Indeed so and if this podcast ends to go by the forward by Sarah Hunter is hundred and eighteen pages long. <laughs> no, it's short and sweet. <laughs> Oh, I'm only putting your legs on, sir. Um, and the last shout-out of the first episode of another series of the Women's Rugby Pod is a big hello to Tom, Sarah, Oscar and Sebi Palmer. Uh, so I didn't get to see you in person at Sandy Park. I hope you enjoyed the game down there. It just leaves for us to say, if you don't already, subscribe. Give us a rating. Obviously, only if it's five stars. And share us as well. We're fairly unique in, in what we do here at the WRP. We bring you all the news from around the world. Um, certainly try to every single week. And that's not going to stop during the World Cup. We've got some hugely exciting players. I'm really looking forward to, to telling you about once they're finalised. Uh, but we are back now running through all the way through to the end of, um, yeah, middle of next year and the end of the, uh, the Premier 15's season. So hold on. Uh, we'll be coming at you every single week. But yeah, subscribe, share, uh, check us out on YouTube. Uh, we're all across the socials as well at Pod Women's Rugby. All the details are there. Thank you very much to Tom and to Vicky. 
and to you, Shunta. It's been absolutely lovely. Now you've got to go and sort your gardeners out. <laughs> yeah, I thought you might have forgotten about that. Uh, yeah, it's the first time. It's just getting it all sorted. Uh, there you are. Rose Cottage needs its roses sorted out by the head red rose. <laughs> and on that dreadful chat, we will say goodbye. Thank you for your company, Sunter. Uh, and we'll see you next week. See ya.